So Money episode 1028, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. April 10th, 2020. How's everybody doing? I'll tell you, this was a hard week. The death tolls, you know, it's really sinking in. Lack of childcare, the work, it's a lot. And I want to just reach out to everybody and let you know that the stress is significant right now. And if you are not feeling well, really important for you to reach out and talk to somebody about it. It may not be the person you're living with because tensions are high right now. Everyone feels like they're in a pressure cooker, especially I'm talking to you parents. If you're taking care of your children, maybe loved ones as well, and you're trying to take care of yourself and your job and all the things that are going on with your kids, the teaching, the management. I mean, look, it's so much. I had a conversation with a producer this week with a news program who wants to do a segment on moms and mental health. I helped him out a little bit, giving him a bit of an insight into my life. I'm not going to end up being in the piece, but that's okay. But I'm really happy that this is the sort of content that's surfacing because it's really capturing the truth of what's happening behind closed doors. When we come out of this coronavirus nightmare, we're going to have a lot of work to do, financial work, but also mental work. There's going to be a lot of work that we have to do to get ourselves feeling at peace again with whatever we're facing. And right now, if you are struggling, I want you to reach out and talk to somebody about it. I'm doing this myself. I have people in my life who are reaching out to me and I really want them to continue to do that. They're like, oh, sorry to burden you, but we're having a really hard time. Reach out. It's really important that we keep talking because the last thing you want is to feel even more isolated. We're already isolated, but to be isolated with your thoughts, that's a really dangerous place to be in. This is not a financial tip. This is just a mental health tip, but I do think that health is wealth. And so I just wanted to start the episode with that. Nobody has asked me anything specifically about this for Ask Farnoosh, maybe because it doesn't occur to them that it's a financial question. But if you're not feeling well, if you're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, isolated, not sure how you're going to get everything done, you are not alone. I am telling you, my week was absolute craziness. And I'm getting really good at saying no. People are asking me to participate in media interviews right now. And, you know, I want to do as much as I can, but I'm trying to also be realistic about what I can take on and so that I don't break apart. Okay. You got to take care of yourself, know your limits. Also know that you can let things slide. You can let things go. It's okay. What we're being asked to do right now, all these jobs within confinement is just unrealistic. There's a reason Stay-at-home parents are stay-at-home parents and not working also and not teaching also and not probably hopefully doing all the laundry. Okay, everything is coming down on households right now. And if you're a single parent, oh my God, you are my effing hero right now. Okay, I don't know how you're doing it, but just know that I'm, I see you. 
Okay. Because I'm living it too. And I see you and I appreciate you. And I want you to know that you are not alone. And that when we come out of this, we will be stronger, but you have to take care of yourself. And that's all. I just want to say that. Let's go to the iTunes section and see what's lately been on people's minds, how they've been feeling about the show. We have a review that was left on April 6th this week from Pia Pia Silva. Brilliant, no BS advice, she says. I love this podcast because there's no fluff. Farnoosh gets to the point and gives great real world advice without preaching. Farnoosh, my question is, how do you apply all this coronavirus financial advice to small service businesses? Those of us who can largely still operate our businesses are not as directly hit by the mess, but we do have to think about cash flow in a different way. Thanks for all that you do. Well, firstly, Pia, I'm going to say you can come on my phone. We can let's have a conversation about this because I want to say thank you for leaving this review. You can uh, direct message me. Let me know that I read your review on the April 10th episode of Ask Farnoosh and that you want me to send you the link to uh, make an appointment to have a phone call with me. I'm looking forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much. I like that you said it's not fluffy because that's the last thing I want to be. But to answer your question a little bit so everybody can hear my answer, I might have more thoughts when we talk on the phone is if you are a business that is not adversely hit by this, wow, amazing. How much gratitude do you have, right? That's amazing, but also good for you, good on you for having that uh, wherewithal to have the savings. I mean, look, the reality is, is whether you're a small business small service, big service, individual. I hope, and I was having a conversation with uh, Hillary Hendershot, who's going to be on the show next week, helping us dissect all the CARES Act stuff. I was talking to her about this and I said, you know, I do hope if nothing else, people realize that having cash on hand, not just for a week or for a month or for like a $400 expense, but for the, in the event that you don't have anything coming at you for six months, I hope that becomes fashion. I hope that becomes the thing that we celebrate more than anything else in our financial lives. Like I don't want to I don't care what's in your stock portfolio. I don't, I don't care how much you make. What's in your 6-month rainy day reserve? Do you even have one? That's what's going to be cool. That's what's going to be worn as a badge of honor. I hope. I mean, if the recession of 2009 wasn't the thing that got us over that, knowing that, you know, spending money isn't as cool as saving money. I hope this is the wake up call. So to answer your question, Pia, I think that if you run a business, it's even more stress, right? Because you're not just paying yourself, you're paying your employees. You have very important to have very strong cash flow. We're learning now that a lot of like restaurants, if they have like a 10% margin on their income, that's exceptional. And a lot of them wouldn't have the sort of reserves to exist if they don't have business for more than a month. A month's already gone by. We've all been in quarantine, many of us. So if you don't have that six-month reserve, 12 months if you're an entrepreneur, I would be worried about you. So I think that's what we're learning, or at least we're reminded of right now. And I will have more for you when we talk, but thank you so much for your question. Let's head over to the mailbag. Question here from someone who would like to remain anonymous. She says, Farnoosh, I'm a landlord. I live in a two unit building. I reached out to my tenant earlier in this crisis and she was optimistic about being able to pay rent, but now is not sure she'll be able to pay starting in May. I'm wondering if you have advice on ways to work with her. For instance, I've heard people mention a payment plan 
what's reasonable and realistic? We've considered asking her to sign on for another year starting in September, but I'm not sure that's the best for anyone. Are there other strategies I'm not thinking of besides flat out rent forgiveness? She says that my husband and I thankfully have maintained our income thus far and we do have an emergency savings. So I would say to you first, see what your bank can offer you as a mortgage borrower, right? I assume you have a mortgage on this property. If you don't, then you can skip this part. But if you do have a mortgage on this property, talking to your lender first can be very helpful for you to understand what you may be able to benefit from right now. Could you defer your payments for the next three months. If you can, then that ultimately is what you could offer to your tenant, right? And while you haven't been personally impacted by COVID-19, as a landlord, you have tenants who are telling you they're not gonna be able to make rent because of what's happening. So that is what you wanna explain to your mortgage company and say, I'm in a position now where I'm, I'm worried that my tenants are not gonna be able to make rent. Can I defer my payments? my mortgage payments. Put your oxygen mask on first. Uh, That way you can have a better sense of what you can realistically offer your tenant. You do have emergency savings. You do have your income. That's great. Next step, talk to your tenant. And I think it's really great for landlords, honestly, to initiate the conversation. Understand that your tenant probably does want to have this conversation with you, but might be nervous, might be intimidated, might be embarrassed, but to go to her and or him and say, look, I just want to reach out and revisit that conversation with you. I know that um, times are really tough, but how about we do X? I would really encourage tenants right now to offer something, a proposal to their tenants and let it be a conversation, but maybe offer something. Say, hey, how about we skip the next two months and here's how I propose tacking it on to the rest of your remaining lease. Maybe we, uh, you know, let's say if you're skipping the rent for the next two months and then we pay it in partial amounts for the remaining months on the lease, something like that. And then, you know, obviously draft up a new contract. Rent deferment is the best case scenario for your tenants. I mean, ask them to pay a little bit. If See what they can do. It's great to just get this off their minds for a couple of months while they scramble to figure out the rest of their life right now. There's so much stress. There's so much uncertainty. Having the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have to write that rent check, at least for the next two months or three months, that's such a huge gift that you can give your tenants. I don't know if there's anything else really that's going to be as straightforward as that. You can try to do maybe a reduced rent, but I tell you, not having to pay rent for a couple of months, for a few months, that's ideal. I wouldn't talk about you know, renewing it yet. If this person has lost her job or his job, they're, they're not really in a place to think about renewal and you don't want to lock them into something and then they'll have to, in a few months, have to redo it all over again. So... I would do that. I mean, if I were you, that's honestly what I would do. I'd call my bank, understand what my rights are as a mortgage borrower and see what I could do to ease my pain, my burden, and then relay that in some sort of savings to your tenant. I think right now what we're seeing typically is a few months, two to three months, just not forgiveness, but saying, hey, like, let's just skip these months. We'll tack it onto your remainder of your, of your lease and then pay that over the course of the remainder of the lease. I hope that helps.
Okay, our friend Tanya on Instagram has a question about student loans versus credit cards. Here's her situation. She says, I have federally held student loans, and I've just learned that in addition to the 0% interest, we make no payments through September. All right, so that's some nice relief. Uh, She says, I have one credit card with a debt balance of $12,000 at 3.9% through April 2021, so until next April. And then the interest rate shoots up to 14%. Should I put what would have been my student loan payment toward that credit card debt while I can, or should I just pay the minimum on the card and bank the student loan payment? or pay that too. I have a small emergency fund of about $3,000. My job is secure. I'm a teacher. I'm still being paid and I will be through the end of the school year. Okay. I would definitely take advantage of this 0% interest on the loan and that not having to make any payments through September. That's nice. I would want to understand though, how this would affect your balance? Um, Are they going to add on the interest later? Like, I just want to understand what your payment could potentially be if you don't make this payment um, between now and September. If it's not really a risk, if it's not really a financial difference, great. Uh, I would say focus on this credit card debt. This is an opportunity now to pay this down more aggressively. We don't want this to get to 14% and you've still got a pretty big balance. So pay this down to the extent that you can right now with your paycheck and what you were putting towards the student loans. I would like to see your emergency fund higher, $3,000. How far does that get you? If you do lose your job. I mean, I, I sounds like your job is secure and you say it is until the end of the school year. That's what, June, this school year? So what if you come back in August and there's no job? You know, better to over-prepare during times like these. And in a normal economy, I'd say $3,000 doesn't sound like a lot, unless your expenses are like $500 a month. That could take you to six months, but $3,000 realistically, could that get you to a six-month stretch where you're not worrying about having income? So if you can double that or triple that, I think that would be a better place. And in the meantime, work on knocking down that credit card debt as well. The good news is, is you have a job. The good news is, is you don't really have to worry about student loan debt for a while. So those two things combined, help yourself increase your emergency fund and pay down that debt. Hopefully by this time next year, April, that debt balance is at just a few hundred dollars or zero dollars. Like make it a goal to get out of debt over the next year. That's what a thousand dollars a month. You can do it. You can totally do it. Okay. Question here now from our friend Shoutrageous on Instagram, Rachel wants to know, from my perspective, how can an individual help to improve the economy? Many have advised to buy local, travel local, but what if we still have to save our pennies and we want to help improve the economy? Okay, here are my thoughts on this. The best way to improve the economy is to improve your personal economy first so that you can then get back out there and be the consumer that you were, to be the contributor that you were. You know, you don't want to obviously go into debt supporting your local businesses. That makes no sense. We know, as I said even earlier in this episode, put your oxygen mask on first before you start helping out everybody else. So your priority, Rachel, is to make sure that you're 
you're financially solid so that you can go out there and really give back to your community and contribute to the economy. That's why the government has created this $2 trillion stimulus package. The CARES Act, I think, I would imagine the foundation of it is we want to get everyday people, you and me, back on our feet so that we can be encouraged and excited about going out into the economy and spending our money. We're reducing interest rates. Why? Because they don't want us to save our money. They want us to go out there and take on financing to buy the houses, to buy the cars, to start the businesses. But that can only happen if we have our financial basis covered. So save your money secure your income to the best that you can. We've talked about it on the show, ways to make more money. And I've got a video out on on my Instagram about how to make money in this economy. I love this question. I love where your head and your heart is at. And I agree with you. It's important to support local businesses, all the distressed businesses, the mom and pops that are going through hell right now. And we are as a family, you know, making very conscious efforts to order in from these restaurants and go and shop at our local grocery store and all the things. But, you know, that's because we have savings and we have our jobs. So we are fortunate to be able to do that. But don't feel bad if your finances are not strong right now, if you're not on strong financial footing, Don't feel bad. Get yourself in a good place. Get yourself whole so that you can really go out there and be a robust consumer, a robust spender. And it will happen, but you got to focus on yourself first. Okay, next question is our friend Sally for all the way from Australia. Australia is not immune to COVID-19 and she is and her country is currently also in the midst of government intervention helping employees, small businesses, workers. She says Farnoosh, uh all the way from Australia. I've been live, loving and listening to your podcast for over 3 years now. Well, thank you so much Sally. It's a pleasure to connect and thanks for submitting your question. She went to the website and clicked on Ask Farnoosh and that's how I got the question. So she says, our government and banks are offering assistance during this coronavirus crisis, and there are two main packages available to us. First, our bank is allowing a six-month payment hold on our mortgage. The interest is going to accrue and will be added to the loan, plus the six months will be added to the loan at the end of the 30 years, totaling 30 years and six months. Secondly, we're allowed to access $10,000 of our superannuation, which is sort of their version of the 401k in Australia, the super, they call it. We are allowed to take this now, plus another $10,000 in our next financial year, which starts July 1st, for a total of $20,000 per person. My work has dropped by 50%, and in the next week, I imagine I won't be working at all as I'm in tourism and sports coaching. So effectively, we will only be living on my partner's wage, which is secure for the moment. I have quite a bit of a super, that's the 401k, close to 90,000. I'm 42 years old, but I haven't checked the balance since the market fell. So I imagine this is a little bit less now. Our plan is to accept the bank's offer of the six-month payment hold and to withdraw all the super we can from my and my partner's account. We can comfortably live off my partner's wage with our mortgage payment on hold, and we intend to put the money from our super aside as a cushion in case we need it. Once things turn to normal, we plan to put any unused funds back into our respective super accounts, and there may be maximum contributions to consider. 
Apart from the loss of compounding interest, which is probably minimal at this time, what else should I be taking into consideration with this plan? I love your show, your guests, and your thoughtful interviews in these unprecedented times. Sally, thank you so much. And uh, hope, really happy to hear that you and your husband are well and that his job for the moment is secure. It's good that you're thinking proactively. You're thinking about your future. And there's nothing wrong with taking these government benefits right now. This is what it's here for. It's to help hardworking citizens like yourself cover themselves in the coming months. I think it's a good plan. I think that another thing you might want to consider, although I don't think it's going to um, make me less convinced that you should take the money out of your super, is that you want to ask, can you continue to contribute while you have this money out? I I don't know what the rules are about contributing to your super. Um, Once you sort of take out this money, um, does it go on hold? I don't know how it works in Australia, but I know that, for example, in the United States, if you take out a loan from your 401k, um, in some cases that that 401k does not allow you to continue to contribute to it. Not that you would want to, but it's just something to consider. If things get better for you, if you get back on your feet sooner than later, uh, can you you know, start to contribute again before uh, the super is paid back entirely. This is a, a little bit of a convoluted question, but it's just something to maybe call and find out about. What are the limitations, the restrictions on contributing to this super uh, if we do take this benefit, if we do take this money out um, as, as it's been provided to you? But I think it's a good idea. I, I think that you look, so much uncertainty. Your husband's job is secure now. It might not be. If you can get yourself to a place where you can pay off your mortgage comfortably, your bills comfortably, and not touch this money that you're taking out of your super, uh, great. I think that's a good plan. That would be my plan too, that it's sort of a last resort, but it's something that you do want to take advantage of now, put it aside in case of emergency, break open glass. So excited to know that I have listeners all the way in Australia. The show is global. We have over 200 countries tuning in every day, and it's a real gift and a pleasure to be able to serve you. Thanks so much, and keep your questions coming, Sally. All right, and last but not least, our friend Allie has a question. Here's what she says. I love your podcast so much and have been listening since I graduated college, and I have a bit of an interesting predicament, she says. I'm currently a registered nurse, and I am set to start a three-year graduate program in May to become a certified registered nurse anesthetist. Did I say that correctly? Anesthetist. My fiance and I are moving cities so I can attend school. And this is not a program where students are allowed to work during school. This being said, my fiance is set to start a new job this month in an outside sales role at a tech company in our new city. But with everything going on, coronavirus and the economy, we fear he could get laid off since he will be so new to the position. My biggest question is whether I should take out a student loan. We have about $35,000 saved. We owe $3,500 on a car loan, and we have $6,000 left on a student loan for undergrad. My grandparents have generously offered to pay my tuition during school, and we were thinking we would make it out debt-free before all of this happened. Now I'm debating taking out a federal student loan of around $20,000 to help cover our cost of living 
living in the event that my fiance does lose his job. If he remained employed, we would just keep his money in savings and pay it off immediately upon graduation. I'm really torn, desperately want to know if it's okay to take out a student loan. Is that a good idea? I think it's okay. I'm going to give you permission to take out this $20,000. If this is your way to have, like I just told our friend from Australia, an emergency account, break open glass only in an emergency, right? If your husband continues to work, great, don't use a student loan. But if you find yourself in a pickle, even with your grandparents' generous contribution and with the current savings that you have, if you do need to make ends meet, you know, I'd rather you have a student loan to pay back than credit cards to pay back. Chances are the credit cards are not going to have as nice of an interest rate. But maybe you can find a 0% interest rate credit card right now, open that up. And, you know, of course, that usually comes with a time limit. That 0% will expire within a year or a little bit over a year. So may not be the best option. But if you can get out a $20,000 federal student loan with a nice low interest rate, you know, in the grand scheme of everything that's going on, the sky is falling, not a bad plan B to tap if all else fails. If all systems fail, but you've got this $20,000 in your corner, At this point, if you don't have emergency savings and your job is very vulnerable and you want to find a way to shore up your emergency account quickly, we're looking at things like taking money out of your 401k. You can do this now penalty-free up to, I believe it's $100,000 this year. That's a new rule. We're also hearing about people taking out a loan against their home. If you've got equity in your home and you can take out a HELOC, a home equity line of credit for very low interest. Again, this is not something that you will have to pay back until you use it right? So maybe that's another option. People taking out loans against their 401ks. It's not ideal. This is not advice we would prescribe in a normal economy, in a normal economy, but things are not normal right now. So we're saying these things with the caveat that, you know, this is not ideal, but if this is what will help you continue to keep the lights on in your household, to continue to contribute to society and to the economy, And have in mind that you're going to, once things get better, make it a priority to pay back these debts. That's something that you need to really make a promise to yourself to prepare for that, that likelihood. Then I say, do what you got to do. I know it's not great to think about, oh, well, I was going to be debt free, but now I'm going to have $20,000 in debt. You might not be $20,000 in in debt, Allie. You might take this loan out, but if you don't use it, you don't owe anything, right? So there's always that. And I would just say, if you need my permission to do this, you have it. If you're listening to this podcast, I know your head's on right. (laughs) You know your head's screwed on right. You know, you've got good goals. You've got ambition. You've got a wherewithal. That's the good news about this audience. You know, we all have, we all want the best for ourselves. We're going to go after it. I applaud you for being so ambitious right now and being optimistic, take out the loan if that's what's going to give you peace of mind. All right, Allie, and congratulations to you and your schooling and good luck to everything and keep on listening. I'd, I'd love knowing you're in the audience.
And that's a wrap, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this Friday's edition of Ask Farnoosh, April 10th. Next uh, week, we've got a lot more in store. I've got a really great interview for you on uh, just breaking down the whole CARES Act. Like what's in it for all of us? If you're a small business owner, if you're a worker, an employee, if you've got a 401k, if you have a mortgage, all the things like what can you benefit from right now and how? We'll just keep continuing giving you the advice and keep sending me your questions. You know, go on Instagram, direct message me there, Farnoosh Tarabi. Send me your questions also if you want uh, over email, Farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And if you happen to be on the website, somoneypodcast.com, you can click on Ask Farnoosh and submit your question that way. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great weekend. I hope your weekend is so money. 